Because I got to hop off to you. Okay, we are live. Welcome, Miss Rosalie. All right, let's see which podcast topic we are drawn to. Um, let's dive in. All right, this one's interesting to me. So at what, and Chris, we talked about this a very long time ago, but not with the new group. So there's two different points to pricing, kind of when do you share pricing and how do you share pricing? Because, right, the operator needs to know, like if it's within their range, but you don't want to get your wrist slapped by the distributors, like it's none of your business, whether we're going to mark it up 10% or 30%. Um, and then the question of when you share pricing as well, uh, feel free to touch on one or both, which is like, you know, for me to get ahead of it, I like try to get them as jazzed up as possible and get the relationship flowing and get them connected and excited about the product. And then I'm like, oh yeah, it's 20% more than you thought it was going to be, but you're already, you're already kind of invested. Um, actually, let's go hand either, not to be like, she's either the hammer. Yep. Yeah, Miss Brooke Davis, what you got? <laughs> Um, I would say not to bring up pricing immediately, but kind of get an idea for, you know, what their range is. So when I go through the catalog, I ask what brand they're currently using and, um, you know, if that works for them and if they're interested in another brand, I do let them know it's a little bit higher just to kind of get a feel. You don't want to send samples out and then pricing be the reason that the conversation ends. So I think it's kind of better to give them an idea for it. Don't give them an exact price. Um, just see if it's something they're willing to pay more for and get an idea that way. And also, yeah, when Chrissy, half a second. So also we know like there's some brands that are just like next level on pricing. You almost want to lead with it because you just want to be like, hey, just so you know, not as a bad thing, but this, you, you guys know which brand I may be referring to, like just so they just like know and then if you get, you just almost want to get past that. Cause you, yeah. So, and Christy, what were you going to say? Well, I do. I, I mean, I agree with what you just said, Matt, but I would actually probably disagree a little bit with Brooke. I would be more inclined to have them try the product. And at, before even telling them that maybe it's higher than what they're doing, but that's like my kind of comes down to, I think if maybe they've tried it, they might be more open to slide a little on pricing if they really love it. Now, granted that only works for, certain brands and you know a brand that's just really amazing taste wise or presentation wise where they might be so excited about it that they would be willing to slide a little on pricing I, I, i'm i'm with i'm with you there um i agree i just think like yeah early on they might just be like oh that's not the price range i'm looking for i'm good but like if they end up trying it they love it you have the relationship flowing with them and it's like 10% higher, 15% higher than they thought. They'd be like, they'll just like roll with that better. Uh, Rosalie, thoughts? So coming from, you know, distribution, it's a totally different world, um, which I feel like it falls on the, unless you're going to direct, like direct to the, um, the user, it falls on the distributor, obviously to provide pricing, which is tough. But I, I go back and forth because you can present pricing and just totally, they, they won't, 
like move forward, try it or anything, or you can get super far along and be super excited. And then they have the pricing and all of that work follow up. Everything is useless. So it's kind of like you have to choose if the product is going to present itself like well enough to like for everyone to oversee the pricing, any pricing barriers there might be. Or I feel like it can be a waste of time to like, you know, send five follow-ups, have an in-person meeting or virtual, like that, that cost associated with your time, the value of our time compared to being shot down when it comes to pricing. It's like a sliding scale. Totally. Mr. Chris Damiata. Well, um, I, I really would agree with Christy here. Um, I, I think that, you know, you just, you play the odds, you play the percentages, right? I mean, if you, if you lead with price before you lead with quality, you just have a, you have a, you don't have as good of a chance, right? I mean, if they don't like what they see right off the rip, just based on price, then who cares about quality? I think if you get the product in front of them, gauge their interest level, see how much, yeah, just see how much they're fired up about the product. Price matters less and it's less of an obstacle to overcome. So I try to avoid price as long as I can until they initiate it. And then I go there, you know, I, and I don't look at it like wasted time. I look at it like you got to You got to just do it right. They're interested. We got to go down this road because I feel good about it. They feel good about it. And you just got to trust, you know? Um, yeah. Rosalie. And then I would jump in as well. I also think that um, who the end user is matters a ton because if it is somebody like, you know, a dining hall that is super concerned about food costs and you know their food cost is under a certain, you know, cost, then then it's totally different than a somebody who might be um, like for retail items. So I think the product and the end user, it all it all differentiates. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, because retail, they can charge what they want. Where like right. if it's food service, dining hall, like I know certain accounts you need to be at X amount per ounce, or it's just it's just not gonna work. Right. Um, Same thing with like offices, like for for any office that gives away product for free, it has to be below a certain cost, and yeah. there's no wiggle room usually. So for that too, it's like no matter how good it is, they can't they don't have any authority to buy. Yeah, I agree. But I would, I would say overall, though, I agree with Chris and Christy that I just feel like you're going to get burned sometimes. Sometimes you're going to put in the effort and then all of a sudden you're going to get the price and you're like, oh man, this never had a chance and that's inevitable. But for me, yeah, it's just about creating the momentum and the connection and the attachment to the product. Um, and then when pricing get brought up, it's just, yeah. So I then from a brand side too, like, no sample is truly wasted. I mean, if you believe 100% in your product, like someone trying your sample, even if they don't end up using it in the space that was sampled in, is an opportunity either for down the road, if they're somewhere else, potentially remember the brand to personally start buying it, to recommend it to other people. So I have a big believer that like you cannot oversample if you're a brand. Like give get everybody to try your product, whoever they are. Yeah. And also you're, you know, if you're a premium, your price should work the majority of the time. If your quality's there and the branding's there, and we're doing our job of presenting to, to the right accounts. Um, so the next question related to pricing, which Rosalie and I bumped into yesterday, when an operator asks you what pricing is, 
what do you do? Because they deserve to know pricing. I'll usually ask for forgiveness. And, and like what I'm getting at here is like, in a way, it's none of your business. The distributor, they can charge 30%. They can charge 10%. Like you don't control the final pricing. Usually for me, I'd rather ask for forgiveness later. And I'll add, like, if it's like a good account, I'll add like real good account, I'll add 10%, pretty good percentage, like solid account, I'll add 15% to 20% and I'll just ask for forgiveness later because they deserve a price. So if it's like a buck a unit and it's like a pretty good account, I'll be like, yeah, it's like a buck 15-ish. Cause it's just like, I just don't want to like be like, or sometimes you like can then use it as an in to get in with the distributor. Well, let me connect with your distributor rep. We can get actual pricing. So that's actually an interesting strategy as well. Uh, but I've definitely been, got my wrist slapped by distributors or like that's none of your business what the pricing is. Yeah, probably by Rosalie and her former in our former relationship and her distributor. Um, thoughts on thoughts on this? Mm, guess it wasn't a juicy topic. That works. <laughs> well, like I, I mean, again, my prior situation definitely comes into play here, but I think that that falls on you know, it's tough. It falls on the distributor. I think. The, like giving a solid guess is great, but then you can again be setting both parties up for failure or getting a little bit in trouble when you're trying to grow that relationship with the distributor. Um, but I think it is the perfect way to start to get like things in motion and build that relationship with any distributor we're working with. You know, it's funny though, and it's, it's going to be interesting how you enter into the, the other world of having to deal you know, you almost, if you're not getting in trouble, you're not doing your job well. Like, cause you need to quote unquote backdoor distributors. And like, you need to do, like, if you played by the rules, nothing would get done. Nothing would get done. You need to be respectful. You need to be respectfully aggressive or else nothing would get done. I like to use it's like cheesy sports analogy, but like Chris, like with, with putting, you're supposed to be like a couple balls past the hole with your putting. Like that's how I think it should be for sales. Like you want to be like two rolls past the, past the hole aggressive. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I would say, I would say that I tend to shy more towards giving four rolls pass. <laughs> 10 rolls pass. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just blow it right by back, back fringe. Um, no, I, um, I'll, I'll usually, I'll usually try to accommodate because I feel like I'm definitely all about the forgiveness thing because I, I feel like if you wait on the distributor, you know, I mean, with the right account, right. I mean, I'm not going to give this to like a, a independent or a little four store chain or something like that. But if you wait for the distributor, you, you're putting the ball in their court and let's face it. They're not always very cooperative. They don't they go, don't by, they're not in a rush. they don't care. They don't go on your timeline. They're usually much slower than that. And I hate that. It drives me crazy. So I'd rather just jump right over that little obstacle and just kind of keep moving forward. And then that kind of, I think you inch closer towards interest and a commitment if you can get past that point. So I'll always try to get past that point you know, without asking the distributor for help. Yeah. Christy. Oh, I mean, I would, Chris kind of started what I kind of what I was going to say and a little bit to add to that would just be like, I think sometimes distributors have to help be held accountable a little bit as well. So by kind of helping move the ship forward, you can kind of also kind of hold them accountable. I mean, there's plenty of times where they're pricing things incorrectly 
simply because they haven't taken the time to source the products in the right place in the first place. So there is a little bit of like accountability that comes from the brand side and the broker side to like make sure that they are offering a correct pricing, that they are sourcing it and all of those things so that the best price does make it to the customer. distributors and you know how it is too like i mean the products not chances are the vendor in our world a lot right the vendor's not set up the there's no SKUs. that's a process we're trying to get your price based off of all of that information or lack thereof it just adds more complication and ickiness and yeah i don't like it you know yeah right on all right yes um, so next one, I don't even know it's a topic. I just thought it was just really interesting. I um, kind of just shifted my mindset a little bit. Christy, who's the person on like, is it Jake Dunlap? Who's really, really awesome and has just like powerful, no nonsense, really potent content. He wrote, um, which I am so guilty of. So I found it interesting about like you get on a call and you're like, thank you so much for your, uh, this is me. Like, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for taking time. He's just like, that's weak. And I'm like, and he's just like, like coming in like more confident, hot, like so excited for our call today. This is gonna be like uh, our, our lines, our, you know, some of the brands we represent could be a really strong fit for a world, excited to dive in. And I'm just like, yeah, Jake. Um, are you work? Am I the only one who was guilty of that? Because for me, that resonated. I'm like, yeah, that is kind of weak. You know, any thoughts there? I don't know that. It, I mean, I don't. I saw that post. I didn't 100% agree, but I think it's all. I mean, it kind of comes back to like an I an I'm sorry group of people, right? People who say I'm it's sorry almost, too much. People yeah. who, you know, so there's definitely a line there of like, you know, not kind of being like, oh my gosh, down down on your knees, thank you so much for this time. But at the same point, time is really, really valuable. Um, and I think buyer's time is very valuable. Um, and, and they're inundated all the time with requests for meetings. So while I, I think it's important to come in like strong and enthusiastic about your product, I would, I would at least for sure in my follow-up email always thank them for giving me the time. And maybe probably at the end of the call say something, you know, I really appreciate your time. Because I do think they that's one of the most valuable things they can give you is actual time. I hate to disagree with Jake. I love Jake. No, I, I, um, (laughs) yeah, it's interesting. I I hear that as well. Um, and I think there's just also a difference between like a super passive, like just like formulaic, like, thank you for your time. If you're just like, you know, come in hot and confident and truly like, Hey, thank you so much for your time. Excited to dive in, blah, blah, blah. It's different than, there's like the weak and I'm sorry mentality. Um, yeah. How do you guys, Rosalie, Chris, Brooke, how do you guys, is it, do you guys, any thoughts here? Do you guys lead with that? Or are you not even aware? I wasn't even really aware of how I led it until he said that. I'm like, do I come in soft? I was going to say, I'm not really aware of it, but I, I definitely do say it. I mean, it's, I think it's about creating that relationship and not, coming off as too confident or too know-it-all-ish. And I feel like if you're not thanking them for, you know, their time, it's just doesn't come out right. You guys guys just brought me back down to earth a little bit. I hear that. And how about. (laughs) I agree. 
I yeah. think that like attitude of gratitude forever in sales like will win. Um, I understand like like you don't want to present yourself as like a chore to buyers, obviously, but like as Matt, like I mean, you you get sold all the time. I'm sh- like if in in the last one, I, I was too, and if somebody. I think if there was no, like, thank you for connecting, like, thank you for making this a priority today, like, anything, I would be like, okay, like, what? I, I, this was, I could have been doing so many other things, but I also think that, like, we're, like, being confident in ensuring these buyers, like, we're adding value. We're not trying to sell, you know, random, useless products. We are adding value to whatever, you know, the, the outlet is is big and having that confidence but mm-hmm. i think that like no gratitude at all is no 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 yeah i agree i agree this is interesting banter and then as far as we may have spoken about it before but the i'm sorry thing is very interesting because i lead that way if i'm sending a third fourth email that's just how i kind of like soften it or just like try to humanize it like hey sorry to be that pestering sales guy i'll kind of like self-loathe or like uh, just like kind of make fun of the situations a little bit or just like apologize i'm filling up their inbox it's just how i lead it's like how else like do you guys think that that's a decent way to lead or is that too much weakness Chris. i mean i yeah i mean i i i i don't I, i'll you know like what i tried a different tactic uh this week i um I, I had a couple of emails. I had original intro. This is a brand new customer. Original email, no response. Follow up to the original email, no response. But in the first two emails, I didn't make any reference at all about, you know, a sorry apology or are you the right person or not. The third email, just because I didn't want to do the same old, same old, I changed it up a little bit and I kind of twisted it into, hey, if you're not the right person, I apologize. You know, please let me know who is. And if I've been bothering the wrong person, you know, I would love to know who, you know, I how I worded it was different than that. But I kind of twisted it to an apology, but also to an apology where if you're not the right person, please let me know who is. And let's do that. And it kind of takes you in a different direction. And now I can maybe go with a fourth email if they don't get out, get back to me on that to try to maybe chase that third email. So I don't know. I tried that, but I definitely have no problem with apologizing. I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's genuine. I think it's all right. You know? Yep. I usually do what Chris said. And I usually kind of like turn it into asking them if there's a better person I could reach out to, you know, so I stop filling their inbox. Or something that's been working really well for me on like that third or fourth email try, kind of like instead of apologizing, is sort of like not, not asking, but a little bit saying, oh, man, you know, X brand is really eager to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just love, I have a meeting with them in the next couple of days. I would love to give them some feedback if there's any interest from you. And like sort of kind of like, it's like saying, hey, my boss is asking yeah. me for something using that line. And I've gotten way more responses lately with that, where they, I think they almost not feel bad, but a little bit like, oh, this poor person, like, it, it, it's almost like a good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Chrissy, I a hundred percent go that route is such a way to be like passive aggressive. You're like, I need an answer like ASAP. It's not on me. Like I owe this person an answer. They'd be really appreciative. That move is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I use often. And it's a great one. Like same thing, like call coming up in two days. I would, love to give them an, uh, an update. I know they're super eager and excited about this 
account, like, you know, and sometimes Chris, you do the same thing. You almost give them, you don't want to get to that point. You want to be all positive and it looks like things are going to move forward, but sometimes you have to give them an out. Like even if things aren't going to move forward, even if it's bad feedback, like, please let us know. Sometimes it's interesting. Give them an out. Yeah. It's like that. It's like that, that, that tone. It's like, come on, man, please. You know, that kind of tone, you know, it's like, I have to get back to somebody, you know? So I agree with Christy. I try, I try that all the time too. I just, yeah. Or even absolutely. like telling them, you know, I would just love to give the brand feedback on, on mm -hmm. what you think of their products, you know, good or bad. We find that to be helpful. I use that line. And I feel like that works decently well too. Cause it, like you said, it's giving them an out to where they don't have, like, they're like, Oh, this person's okay. If I say no. So maybe, you know, I've gotten two responses recently to that plea of kind of, you know, just tell me what you think of their product. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, all right. I think we are, at time with this large group of people it's like it's great you got two 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 topics you're good so uh thank you guys very much we'll talk again real soon